Happy Friday. It's time for the Richard Skipper Friday Wrap-Up Show. Who and what are you celebrating today? Richard Skipper believes every day is worth celebrating. But today, we wrap up the week with a dose of positivity. You never know who might show up or what might happen. So get ready. Your skipper is now coming on board, and we are ready to set sail. All aboard. Happy Friday, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of the February edition of these shows. All this month, I am celebrating my birthday because I believe every day should be celebrated, but I'm going to celebrate my birthday every day this month. And what I'm going to be doing this month is I'm inviting some of my favorite people to join us. And I'm very excited to bring in our first guest. I'm bringing her on uh, because Natasha Lombardi, who's watching from Portland, Maine, picked our first number. Like, let's make a deal. I said, pick a number. And she pulled our first guest. Now, this guest is a dear friend. She is someone from the moment that I first saw her at the salon. Now she knows who I'm talking about. When I first saw her at the salon, I fell in love with her. And I told her that she reminded me of uh, like a 1920s uh, torch singer and that she should really take Cabaret by the reins. And she did. Next Friday night, the eve before my birthday, she is going to be appearing once again at the Laurie Beachman Theater. I saw her a couple of weeks ago with just her and guitar, and it was as if a full orchestra was behind her. One of my favorite people this month that I start off the month with, and I'm so thrilled, is the one and only Deborah Stone. And I'm gonna give you a glimpse of her show. If you're able to go, do yourself a favor, you'll thank me. Here she is. Never, never will I marry. Never, never will I wed. Born to wander solitary. Wipe my world. Now roll my bed. Never, never, never will I marry. Born to Share, dear blues out. Don't despair. So 
everyone we are wearing red today because february is also national heart association month so if you're able to get and i love your mug by the way you've got the old-fashioned one i've got to get you one of the new ones please <laughs> so deborah <laughs> i am so excited for you and this show you have garnered great great reviews you're back and i can honestly say this by popular demand next Friday night at the Laurie Beachman Theater. I'm going to do everything in my power to be there. I really want to see the show again. Um, and I want to ask you, what is the greatest lesson that you feel that you've gotten about yourself from doing this new show? I can do it. <laughs> I feel, you know, you know, I, I, I like the closest distance between point A and point B, the shortest answer. 
I've I've grown to realize that I can leap into the unknown and do it. And also, I'm afraid not to do it well. So that's another thing. <laughs> well, you know, I'm writing a new show, and I, you know, am watching this. One of the things that I love, one of the comments uh, from uh, Patrick at Broadway World is that you've been in show business your entire life, and you've picked up a few things. Yeah. Well, I want to say that two things that you picked up, actually two people that you picked up, are Hubba Hubba Hubbard, Tom Hubbard, uh, playing the bass behind you, one of the best bass players in the business, yeah. and John Cook on piano. Yeah. So what was your criteria when you chose your musicians for this show? Well, John and I had been working together for a few years. He did my previous show called Here I Am. Um, I had previously been working with Daryl Kojak for a long time. We did Siren Song eight times. Um, but he had to have some, he had some back surgery that he had to go through, which took him a very long time to rehab from. He's doing things again. He's fine now, but I had to go with somebody else. And so I, I admired John because I know Josephine and I are, admire each other, Josephine Sanchez with whom he works. And so I tapped him. And so we began this relationship and this musical uh, cooperation, so to speak, and we started working together and we've been together. And, you know, when you, it's a collaboration, obviously, collaboration, I mean, you're, that's right. you're, you're there center stage, but you've got these great musicians that are holding you up and you're holding them up as well. Yes. I mean, the synergy between the three of you is just incredible. Thank you. Um, explain the name of the show to everyone. I'm going to pull up. Uh, here you are. And uh, thank you. Okay. Here you are again on corporate well, finance. It's pronounced chiaroscuro, and it's a term used to describe the treatment of light and shade in drawing and painting. That's basically the simple explanation. And it literally, as I explain in the show, I literally, truly, and it's honest in the show, I looked across the street at the buildings, across the street, and there was bright sun, deep shadow, sharp angles, and it just hit me, chiaroscuro. And when you think of these things, if you're a, a creative artist, you go, not only is it a great idea, but I could do a show based on this. So that's how that happened. That's great. Now, we've got some great people waiting in the wings. We're going to yes. bring them on and Thank we're you. going to keep the conversation flowing with creativity. But before we do, as I do every Friday, I have five mystery questions. So you get to pull the number one through five. Okay, four. And your question is, uh, if you could meet any historical figure who would you choose and why? Rachel Carson comes to mind. Uh, she wrote a book that it was called the, the Sense of Wonder. And she just popped into my mind. I think my mom is circling here because I gave her that book as a gift when I was a young teen. And she was one of the precursors of the observations of how we're ruining the planet, basically. Um, Rachel Carson was a conservationist and uh, a very wise and um, knowing and poetic person, the way she wrote about the importance of the natural world and our responsibility to keep it pristine, if possible. So, yeah, I think Rachel Carson and I would have a lovely conversation. Um, and I'm glad you mentioned this because I was reading an article this morning uh, about the gift of observation. And it's interesting that we're talking about these things right now. Uh, and in this article, it said, each day when you go for a walk, choose one thing that you're going to focus on. Like one day you may focus on a certain color and you're going to see how many times you see the color pop up. 
And then the next day, it may be a certain shape and it may be different things. And it's a different way of observing the world as we go about our business, because a lot of people are caught up with their iPhones and everything, and they're not paying attention to what's going on around them. Exactly. I thank you for saying that. And you get to bring on our next guest, one through four. One. Well, I'm glad you could call this number. Uh, This is somebody new in my life. Um, It's not often that you hear the words working and actor in the same breath. (laughs) But in the case of this gentleman, not only is he a working actor, uh, but he walks the walk, he talks the talk, and he teaches about it as well. And I'm going to bring up a little clip of him telling you about what he does, and we will see him on the other side. Here's Aaron Marcus. Hi, my name is Aaron Marcus, and I know this might surprise you, but I've been a full-time actor and a commercial model for almost 30 years, and I've booked over 1,200 jobs. If you're like most people, you've been thinking about acting, you've been thinking about modeling, not really sure how to go about doing it, or maybe you've been doing this for a little while and you want to jump to the next level. I will teach you how to do this. And if you fill out the information in the opt-in box, I'm going to send you three incredible videos, absolutely free. The first one is how to create the right kinds of photos that will grab the attention of industry professionals. The second one is how to find an agent, whether it's local or in a distant market. And the third one is how to market yourself, how you can get work on your own, whether you have an agent or not. So if acting and modeling has interested you, but you weren't really sure, Look, stop dreaming, stop thinking about it. Or if you are, you know, kind of struggling and you want to jump to that next level, fill out the information, get the videos. I can guarantee this information will be incredibly helpful to you. I'm Aaron Marcus, and I will be talking with you again really soon. Well, we're going to talk right now, Aaron. Aaron wow, who was that guy? <laughs> Deborah Stone, Aaron. You were incredible. Thank, thank you so you. much for sharing that with us. Thank you. And thank you for sharing your, I'm, I'm taking notes. I'm going to look at what you've got to offer. <laughs> well, really. check it out and check out his YouTube channel. Um, yes. Aaron reached out to me, uh, if I can say this, because Aaron, the person that you reached out to me about is actually watching the show today. So this is very good. Aaron reached out to me um, about some advice in terms of working with someone to help him with his YouTube channel. But as I began to delve in and learn more about Aaron, I, I asked if you'd come on the show. You weren't able to do the show last week because you were busy working. <laughs> so um, what is the number one secret that you think has kept you consistently working? Um, a lot of people have talent. A lot of people have drive. But very few people are able to combine the two together. That, that's a great question. I would say the number one thing is, well, actually, there are probably about 10 or 20 things, but one of them is you've got to be really persistent. You've got to treat acting like a business because it is a business. You know, mm-hmm. the thought of you're going to be walking down the street and being discovered and becoming a star overnight, it, it, that's just not reality. Um People work really hard. And I tell you, one of the things that I think makes it really tough for people to stay in the industry, and it took me a while to learn this, is that you can't take anything personally in this industry. When when you were told no because you didn't book the audition, which 
I, look, and once again, I want to do a whole workshop here because there are a lot of great people to talk to. But really, really, really quickly, when I go to an audition, and by the way, I don't book most of the auditions I go on, but a very small percentage of them. Um, I never try to book the job. And I think that is something that has served me well. Uh, I go in there. I just want to have uh, a good time. I want to enjoy myself. I might have three minutes with a casting director, five minutes, two minutes, who knows? My goal is to have a good time. And I think when you go in there and just want to enjoy yourself and you're not putting pressure on yourself because you know you're not going to book it, I think that's really helpful. So being persistent, don't take things personally, get the information and work really hard. You know, this is the second time this week that I've heard the same advice. Uh, I heard it from Spencer Garrett. Oh, somebody's plagiarizing me? Who is it? Spencer Garrett. Do you know Spencer Garrett? Spencer Garrett is a true working actress, uh, actor. His mother was Kathleen Nolan, uh, you know, great actress, first uh, woman to run the Screen Actors Guild. And I saw an interview with him earlier this week, and he said that Brian Cranston uh, said that everything shifted for him in his career when he stopped going in to book the job, that he thought of every opportunity as an opportunity to network, to meet the people that were on the other side, and just to say, these are my wares, this is what I sell, I'd like to share it with you. And uh, yes, Deborah, did you want to say something? I know being a dancer, as you know, dancers uh, uh, at the lowest end of the ladder as far as, you know, taking things uh, personally. Anyway, they can smell desperation. If you go in, right, Aaron? If you go in, hire me, hire me. Yeah, they're going to just go like this. So if I've learned, and if I may, I use this image, meet them on an equal basis. I am equal to you. I am not kowtowing to you. I know what I have. If you don't want it, that's fine. Yeah, I, I, that, that's really wise. And, and and basically I go in there with with the mindset and I think this is really helpful too. Yeah, look, if I don't book the job, that's fine. I'll, I'll book something else because they want to work with people who are exuding confidence, not yes. people like, and Deborah, like you were saying, are desperate because they don't want to work with desperate people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and, and by the way, Brian Cranston is He's unbelievable. He is incredibly wise. I've seen interviews. Um, I, and he I, was in the business a long time before he booked Malcolm in the Middle, which brought him to national acclaim. Yeah, I think his father was an actor too, wasn't he? Yes, that's right. He was. Um, I, I'm going to paraphrase the question that I asked Deborah for a moment. Um, because of the business that you're in, if there is any famous actor that... Uh, you know, historical, uh, you know, in the pantheon of the business that you could meet, who would that be and why? Oh, boy. That's a hard question. I don't know. I mean, there are just, I'm not really 100% sure. Maybe, um, and I I can't believe I'm drawing drawing a blank right now. It um, happens. It happens on this show a lot. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the guy I'm thinking of, uh, Peter Sellers. Yeah. There's, I, he just seemed very interesting. Mm. I would, I would, he would be somebody I'd like to sit and talk with. I mean, things just from reading about him, he was a guy who really didn't know who he was and he just, he was just always a character. Um, but he was very interesting and did amazing things. And I, I'd love to sit and talk to him. 
Well, I'm glad that we're sitting and talking with you today. You get to pull a mystery question, number one, uh, one through four. Okay. Um, I think two sounds really okay. good. And you're, uh, well, it's actually um, a statement. Uh -oh. And uh, based on what you teach, this is a perfect statement for you. The statement is, my presence is my power. Go with that. Yeah, you know, this goes along with what Deborah was saying. Look, my presence is my power. This is what I have to offer. It might not be right for you. And that's fine. It's like when, when you go out on a blind date, you know, the person just might not be a good match for you. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, I think it's really important for actors to make sure they know who they are and don't try to emulate or copy somebody else. I know there people want to do that because they say, oh yeah, I'd like to see another, you know, Brian Cranston. Well, although that's kind of hard because he does so many different things, but don't try to be somebody else. Those people are already there. They're already successful. Find your niche. Like for me, look, I'm not a good looking guy. I get it. I'm not going to be the leading guy. I'm not the you know, this romantic guy. I look like, you know, everybody's, you know, proctologist. I get it. You know, I'm the guy next door. Not necessarily. Like, <laughs> and that's my strength, that I'm just a regular person. So that's what I go with. And it served me well. And I don't try to do other things that just aren't right for me. Now, all three of the people waiting in the wings are their own persons or people. On person. I thought you were going to say proctologist. But no. No, um, I, I dealt with that earlier this week. I had a colonoscopy, everyone, on Tuesday, and it was perfect. So I did it. It was great, and I'm happy. So bring on our next guest, number one, two, or three. Oh, three. Definitely. Number three. And, uh, I mean, he is, you know, he's a, a leading man type. His wife, Troy, would tell you so. Hello, Ron Spillett. How are you today? Hi. Hi, Richard. Hi, Deborah. Hi. So nice to meet you, Aaron. Gosh. Um, uh, talk about being unprepared. <laughs> I, I learned that I was going to be on today like five minutes to airtime. That's right. And then two minutes to airtime, Richard said, wear red. <laughs> and so I'm going, ah, I'm going through my closet. Well, here I am. Well, well, for whatever it's Aaron worth. Can both tell you in this business, when they say, can you say yes before you, you, they finish the question? So absolutely go out there and try it. So uh, let me ask you, who or what are you celebrating today? Uh, I'm celebrating a couple of things. I'm celebrating that my wife had a uh, hand surgery yesterday uh god help us we had to get up at 4 30 in the morning and we were at the hospital at 5 30. we were home by 9 30 and we ended up sleeping the rest of the day but the the surgery went great poor thing she's in this huge cast but um but the prognosis is excellent uh, and so I'm very, very thankful for that. I'm thankful that she's not in any pain, uh, thanks to uh, Tylenol and codeine. And um, and I'm uh, thankful that I'm back to work on two projects that I've been writing, and uh, and that's very important to me. So why why do I'm, surgeons? I'm sorry. Why do surgeons always have to you know do their surgery at five o'clock in the morning? I don't understand this. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, tea times at, at eleven. Know. So. 
That's right. That's right. So it Ron, turned out we, we were the first patient of the day. So uh, I don't know why we had to be, but we were. So, so Ron, you have yes, been a part of many different areas in this business and you've met many incredible people. So I'm going to, uh, the question that I'm going to ask you, instead of, you know, the one person that you would like to meet, you have been very fortunate to meet so many incredible people in your life. What do you feel is the greatest piece of advice that anyone has ever given you in this business? Oh my gosh. I think it's the same advice that you were talking about earlier, which is just be yourself. Don't go into an audition and try to imitate anybody. You'll never do it as well as the original guy did. Uh, just try to find your own niche, as you said, Aaron, and, uh, and just try to discover who you are. Find your own voice. And, uh, and I believe that's really, really good advice. Great. Richard, now, can I just yes. stop you for one second? Sure. Just to kind of follow up with that question, because that's a great question. I, I was very fortunate, and I got a chance to uh, work with Tom Hanks in wow. his latest film, A Man Called Otto. And, and I remember I was talking with him, and it was just talking about pieces of advice. And, and this is something that uh, it was just so valuable. And, and I will share it with a lot of people, but this would be a great place to, to start. Um, as everybody knows, the, the feeling of the set starts from the top and works its way down. And this set was just wonderful. Um, his wife, Rita Wilson, was one of the producers. I mean, everybody was just really, really kind. And I thanked him for creating such a warm and open uh, feeling on the set. And he looked at me and he was just such a humble guy. And he, he just said, Aaron, look, we're all on the same team here. He said, whether it's craft services or the director or the producers, uh, the, you know, the, the, the uh, crew, he said, we're all on the same team. We're all trying to do something great. So of course we're going to do nice things for each other. And it just kind of hit me. And, and he did, I mean, he would walk over to all the extras and he was thanking them and yeah. anyhow. So pieces of advice. Yeah. We're all on the same team. Let's just do a great job. That is incredible. Last night I watched a documentary about uh, the, the sound of 007, James Bond, and how it's a great, it's on Netflix, everyone, and how the music from these films uh, played such an important part in how we experienced the film as well. And it went into all of the great singers who have sung theme songs. And the one person that surprised me the most was Louis Armstrong. And Louis Armstrong did the recording for, I think, His Majesty's Secret Service. And it was the last professional job that he did. And they showed the clip of him in the studio recording the song. And when he finished, he turned to the songwriters and said, thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. And wow. the songwriters said that to this day, when they think of him, it brings tears to their eyes because he was so appreciative of what the gifts that they were giving him. And I think that's what it's all about. We're all in this, uh, as I will say in my closing remarks, we may think that we're all in the same boat, but we all are important parts of that crew. 
So it's important that we all remember that. So you know, I love I love that you say that, Richard. And uh, I would love to think that that's something obvious to you, to me, to Aaron, to Deborah. Uh, but it's not always obvious. I've been on many a set. I've been in many a, a stage production where it was like every man for himself, uh, and and it's a horrible way to be. And, and it's something we do see far too often. And my goodness, if in this business particularly, if we don't all help each other, then what are we doing it for? What are we Amen. producing? I, I totally yeah. agree with that. And Deborah knows me a long time. That's my walk and my talk. I am all about helping others because here, here. You know, no one is good. Joan Crawford once said, be nice to every person you come in contact with because the person sweeping the floors today is running the studio tomorrow. And a friend of mine went a step further and said, and the person running the studio today is sweeping <laughs> floors tomorrow. So, so Ron, you pick a number, one through three. It's your mystery question. Oh, three. And your question is, um, I'm gonna ask, uh, what was your first job in the business? My first job, oh gosh, um, you know, I, I was doing amateur theater for a long time and I'm trying to think where I made the switch to being professional. And when I was 16, I did my first college production and I was younger than everybody else in the company by at least four years. And, and so when I was 16 and I was in a college production, I thought, oh, my gosh, this is so professional. Yeah. But uh, I think my, my first professional job was um, probably doing uh, an equity dinner theater in L.A. And um, I played nicely, nicely in Guys and Dolls. Aww. And, and did that great stories to tell about that production. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> I want to hear them. I want to hear them. Uh, oh, no. So, Ron, you bring on our next yes. guest, one or two? Uh, one. Okay. I'm going to ask you all, how many of you are in the Guinness Book of World Records? <laughs> our next guest is, and I am so excited I'm going to bring her on, and then I'm going to tell you how she ended up on the Today Show. This is Dion Forrest. Dion and I. Hello. Hi, everybody. And here, here's my Guinness book. Certificate. <laughs> so, and I will tell them why you're in the Guinness Book of World Records in just a moment. But we met years ago when I hosted an open mic at the Iguana on 54th Street. She came in with her ukulele and played and sang. Joan Rivers used to refer to her as that filthy ukulele player. <laughs> um, but earlier this week, Dion was on the Drew Barrymore show yeah. uh, celebrating this achievement of her being in the Guinness Book of World Records. She is the oldest working comedian in the country. Uh, maybe in the world. In the world. In the, in world. the world. In the world. In the world. Yes. Wow. And she, she, you know, Dion, uh, you were on Drew Barrymore, but now you're on Richard Skipper Celebrates. You're going up in the world. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm I'm 88 and three fourths years old. So 
I, I finally, all I had to do is what I feel got old. And that's. <laughs> but tell everyone how you, do. <laughs> you didn't start out to do this work and it happened no. by, I, I don't call them mistakes. I call them life lessons. Yeah. Things switched for you and changed. Right. I was uh, a pianist vocalist most of uh, my early career. And I moved to New York and I played in bars and restaurants. And uh, then I started doing cabarets and I pretended I was French because I came home from Paris with a French accent. So I became French and I made a career doing that. And it was fine. People wanted a French singer and blah, blah, blah. And then 9-11 uh, happened. And all us musicians were out of work. The golf clubs weren't having parties. Everybody was sad. The women's group didn't want to have anything. So I was out of work, like most musicians, for a year, more than a year. So finally, what I did, I played golf with uh, Caroline Hirsch who owns the Carolines. the Carolines. And I finally had the guts to ask her, well, how do you get into comedy? And I'd never been in a comedy club. I didn't know anything about it. And she got me with a coach. And within three weeks, I was on the stage. And I have a uh, video of it. I, by the third line, all of a sudden people laughed. And I was so surprised. <laughs> People are laughing at me because I was a musician uh, my whole life. So that started it about 20 years ago. 9-11 was the reason I got now, started. Earlier this week, as I mentioned, you were on uh, Drew Barrymore and Natasha right. Lombardi, who's watching the show, said she saw you on it. Um, uh -huh. Do you want to tell them what happened with your appearance on the Drew Barrymore show, because okay. this is truly a lesson for all of us in this business. What, which, 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 which About thing? The, the second half of the show. Oh gosh. Yeah. So, you know, I'm on the show and you're going to be on, they all told me from nine to nine 30 on, uh, on, uh, was going to show on Monday, Monday morning. We taped it last week. So I'm sitting alone in my apartment Monday morning and ready to see me on the show. <laughs> and from 9.30 to 10, I wasn't on the show. <laughs> and I cried and cried. <laughs> and I called up the agent, public relations, what happened? And it took them a day to find out that in the New York market, the second, I was gonna evidently on the second half of the show, wasn't shown in the New York market. It was all over the rest of the country. Do you know when it showed in the New York market? 3.30 a.m. in the morning. Well, it was, they saw it in Portland, Maine. So you can, <laughs> Natasha, thank you. I didn't hear I'm waiting. Yes, for well, some reason. Some well, reason. He's doing what you're doing. And, <laughs> uh, you know, and I can't wait for you to be in the Guinness Book of World Records at 125. Oh, God. Me too. Anyone can do it. You can do it. So pull the number one through two. This is your mystery question. Okay, two. And the question is Yeah. Uh, well, um, I'm going to ask you what was, the, uh, what was the first time that you 
bought a ukulele. Oh, uh, that's a good story. Uh, it was, uh, I was, uh, I think, 15, 16 years old at Girl Scout camp up in New Hampshire. And I wanted to become popular with the kids, you know, like around the campfire. And guitars had just started coming in. Uh, you know, this was like 1951. And so I asked my parents for a guitar. So they come up to the camp and they bring me this little ukulele. And I started crying. I said, but I wanted a guitar. And they said, no, no, no. Guitars are for boys. Ukuleles are for girls. Oh. 1951, everybody. Wow, wow, wow. And, and, and so I became sort of popular with the songs. I know four chords, and that's all I've known for the last 60 years. And I can get by with my, with my four chords. And it makes me different in the comedy scene because I end with a parody on my ukulele. So thank you, parents. Just to be yeah. fair, they're also a ukulele is far easier to schlep around than a guitar. Trust me. On that. <laughs> and Deborah, I mean, her show where she's playing the guitar is great. If you ever need a ukulele player, Deborah Dion's the one to call. But, um, you know, as I said, this month, all this month, I'm celebrating my birthdays. There's something about Aquarian energy. And our next guest uh, also just had a birthday. We haven't seen each other or spoken to each other in a while. But when I saw that it was his birthday the other day, I reached out and said, Jim, come on the show. Uh, his wife, Mary Lottie, has been on the show. Now it's your turn, Jim. Welcome to the show. And Jim is a great songwriter. Uh, he's a great writer. Uh, Jim, who or what are you celebrating today? Um, well, that I survived my birthday, for starters. Um <laughs> We actually had a lovely few days uh, freezing to death, but uh, up the Hudson River Valley ways. Um, but I made it. So, you made it. Yeah. And then while I was up there, I got your email and I went, oh, so <laughs> and here we are. And here you are. Yeah, so and I didn't find out about um, heart health until a few minutes before we went on, which is why I'm wearing black. Well, that's perfectly okay. Like I said, all this month we celebrate. Um, there are so many things that we celebrate. Uh, first of all, um, I, and, and I'm going to ask you, pull your mystery question, first of all, and then we're going to go into a, a little uh, fun thing here. If you could visit any place in the world, where would it be and why? Uh, would this be someplace I've never been, or it could be someplace you've never been, or someplace that you'd like to go back to? Um, maybe Edinburgh, Scotland. Uh, actually, I'd like to move there, but <laughs> um, I just fell in love with it. And as Mary described it, she goes, "It's like the love child of New York and San Francisco." Wow, it's old, but there's hills everywhere. Um, so, uh, but I just, I, I just loved everything about the place and the people. Uh, Jim, I want to ask you um, if you're a fan of bubble gum. 
And I'm asking this question. I know that Ron, you've already told me that you're not a big fan of, but there's a reason why today is National Bubblegum Day. And I actually, and I will bring this up here so that you all can see this. Um, children's book author Ruth Spiro came up with the idea of National Bubblegum Day as a way for kids to raise money for school activities without having to sell anything. That's how it came about. I actually reached out to Ruth to do today's show and I didn't get a response. So hopefully she's watching this and she knows that we are celebrating this holiday, this national days, every day is worth celebrating. That's their motto. And I'll tell you something that I learned. Uh, a few years ago, I was a mentor uh, at a school in um, uh, West uh, Western Connecticut. They were doing a production of Hello Dolly. They found out about me and they asked if I would come in and speak with the kids. When these, and this is an affluent school, everyone. When, this, when they were raising money uh, for new seating in the auditorium, they had to do bake sales. They did magazine sales. They did fundraisers. They did everything. Uh, and it was a struggle. When they needed new stadium seating for the football fields, people were throwing money at them. The arts are very important in our school system, number one. And number two, um, you know, it's very interesting most teachers, whether you're all aware of this or not, they bring supplies to the classroom out of their own pocket. There is no fund set up for this. So for all of you out there, whether you are fans of bubblegum or not, we are all fans of the next generation of artists. If you know of a school, especially a school in the arts, reach out and say, can I make a donation? And even, you know, it doesn't have to be cash. It could be books. It can be pens. It can be pencils. It can be tablets. It can be whatever it is that you want to give. That's why we are celebrating National Bubblegum Day today. And I want to ask you, Jim, when you were in school, were you exposed to the arts? Uh, yes, I certainly was. Because um, <laughs> it's pretty much the only thing I can do. Um but uh, I was in I was in the band. I was in the school choir, and then I ended up being like the assistant. There had never been one, but I was the assistant conductor of the school choir in high school, um, and I periodically conducted the band, and you know, so I was very much involved in. I also was on the um, I was a student. Uh, what do you call it? The student member of the local school board which just meant I sat there and listened to some really boring meetings most of the time. Uh, but I, I got agitated and animated whenever, because of funding problems, their first place to go to get, you know, to save money was to uh, ax the art programs and the performance programs. And um, so they got an earful on a few occasions about that. That's probably where my activism kicked in. Well, I was lucky enough to serve on the board of the Carol Channing uh, Harry Collegian Foundation for the Arts. And Harry Collegian used to say to Carol's husband, if kids are not exposed to it, they won't know the difference between a microphone and a xylophone. It's important that we make this exposure. So I'm going to talk about some of the other things that we celebrate today. And I'll start with you, Deborah. Today is uh, Carrot Cake Day. Are you a carrot cake fan? Yeah, I don't have I don't have a real sweet tooth, but boy, oh boy, do I like a good carrot cake. 
I think we could all kind of agree on that. Maybe I don't know. Yes, I, well, I can. Have maybe you ever? Maybe once a year, I'll have one. Have you ever made a carrot cake? I have not. I let other people do that. <laughs> I did it once, and that was enough because I did everything from scratch, and it was just one of the hardest things. I am not a baker. It's one thing I can uh, I know uh, I can possibly learn, but I am at this point in my life not a baker. But I like oh. it with the, that good cream cheese. You know, I'm I'm a New York girl, so you know, give me New York cheesecake and give me that nice cream cheese. Yeah, Ron, yeah. the nice cream cheese frosting. You know that you could spread on a bagel. It's so good. Yeah. Oh, the best. So, Aaron, today is also considered the day that music died. No. Do you know why? Big Bopper, and um, Big Bopper, and. Oh my goodness! Uh, it was big. It was over in the Midwest. Yeah, of course. Um, I just forgot. His, I just sorry, but not Buddy Holly. Yeah, Buddy yes, Holly. yes, yeah. So we, you know, take a moment to pause and think about that. Um, Ron, uh, today is also a very important Missing Persons Day. I remember as a kid growing up where we would see on our milk cartons. Milk cartons, right. Children. Um, do you, I mean, have any thoughts on that? Well, I certainly don't see it on milk cartons anymore, nor on uh, uh, almond milk or oat milk or <laughs> any of the other myriad cartons that are floating around. Um, but, uh, yeah, how do people... Uh, I hate to use the word advertise, but how, how do people get the word out about Amber uh, alerts? Everything is now in social media. Yeah. Yeah. I never saw John Gotti on a milk carton either. No. Maybe that was <laughs> or, or Jimmy Hoffa. Or Jimmy Hoffa. Jimmy Hoffa. Right. Yeah. Um, and Dion, as we just said, it's wear red day. And uh, some of us are wearing red. The others that didn't got the notification late. Uh, why is red it wore it anyhow? Yeah. Jim has a little red in his, in his sweater. Yes. And Aaron is Aaron is blushing heavily. So that's my nose is a little red. So you know, and as I said, it's National Heart Association Month. Um, if you want if there's anything you want to say about that, or if you've known anyone who has dealt with issues and you know, today's now this is your Harvest, PSA. Harvest Association Month. It's National Heart Association Month. Oh, Heart Association Month. Yes. I, yeah, well, uh, yeah, I believe in it because I had, uh, I got a pacemaker and everything and et cetera, and I'm feeling great. And yeah. and what finally making me feel great is I'm on a one millimeter, millimeter steroid every day. Can you believe that? <laughs> and wow. now I'm strong as heck. Strong. I'll have to feel today. I'll have what she's having. Yes. <laughs> That's great. And Jim, today is also Women's Physicians Day. Wow. Uh, <laughs> what am I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with that. Uh, you, anything, <laughs> you know, Aaron said that he looked like your regular proctologist. Um, doesn't look like the one that I had the other day, but that's fine. <laughs> they rolled me into this room. I want to tell you, and I advocate this for everyone. And I was having a conversation with someone yesterday about this. Um, I am not a procrastinator on any level. Um, if I get a notification, 
It's been 10 years since I had my last one. I received the notification and I immediately called my doctor and I said, let's do it. And as anyone who's gone down this path knows, the day before is the worst with the prep that they give you. God willing, somebody's going to come along with a flavor that will taste like bubble gum or carrot cake. Um, it, it is the worst. But what I love about this process is going in, the anesthesiologist comes in, says, we're going to give you a little oxygen. And the next thing I know, he said, well, you did great. You can go home now. <laughs> it was like that. And I said, it's the best sleep I've had in ages. Okay, that was wonderful. I, I have to tell you, Richard, um, I I have had uh, ulcerative colitis since I was uh, 22. Wow. And thank goodness it's in complete remission. Uh, I mean, I'm fine. Uh, I can eat everything, uh, everything that's bad for me. I eat it. Uh, <laughs> All right. but, uh, but I do have to uh, have a colonoscopy um, really annually. And so I have had more colonoscopies than I care to remember. And and I always tell people that prep is so awful. Thank goodness you used to have to drink like a whole gallon of stuff. Now it's just the little bottles. Two bottles. But oh, when you get on the table and they put the IV in and then they give you that little bit of the drug and you feel it go up your arm. I wish that feeling could last because it's like three seconds and you're out. But in that three seconds, you feel so nice. And that's why people have drug addicts. Have you ever checked into the Guinness Book of World Records for, you know, getting... For colonoscopy? It's not something I'm proud of, believe me. Okay. Well, I have to tell you, I understand how Michael Jackson got addicted to this because it is... I mean, it's Nirvana. I yep. mean, it, it is great, you know, and uh, so that um, we're going to run out of time, but be, I've, I've got a, I've pulled some random questions about the creative process that I'm going to ask each of you. And um, I'm going to start with you, Deborah. And the question is, what if anything is standing in the way of you going after what you really want in this business? What if? And what, uh, you know, what if anything? Oh, what? There if may anything? not be anything. What if anything is standing in your way? Um, I don't think anything's standing in the way. I think finances play a huge part because I, as we've discussed over and over and over again, I'd love to get paid for what I do. Um, but you know, that, that is, it's not getting in my way. It's just a hitch in my get along, so to speak. Yeah. I would say I would, that it, I would say is well the number one thing for me as well. Yeah. Erin, uh, what are some signs that you are significantly more intelligent than most people in this business? I love that question. Well, there are no signs. I don't have a college degree. I'm so waiting for that honorary degree uh, to fly around. Um. I don't know, you know, I guess the only thing I can think of, and once again, and I'm not just trying to be humble, I, I'm, I'm not that intelligent of a guy. Um, I just try to, to work really hard. And, you know, one of the things that, and I don't know if this is really answering your question, and maybe this kind of goes along with the question that you're asking Deborah as well, 
you know, as far as, you know, things getting in the way, I, I don't try to accomplish anything. Mm -hmm. I, I don't, and, and maybe it's just how my brain works. I don't have goals. Um, you know, I'm not trying to be the smartest guy in the room. I just kind of open myself up. And if something hits me, I'll think, that's interesting. And I'll explore it and see what happens. I mean, I never would have dreamt in a million years, and neither would any of my teachers, that I would have written a book. Uh, I would have done over 800 workshops, uh, do private mentoring. I mean, there, there was no game plan. And, you know, in, in three years, I plan to do this. Five years, this is what I plan to accomplish. I just kind of, and, and it's not like I'm just passive and sitting by the phone to, you know, to ring, but, but I just try to open myself up and just feel what's out there. And like I said, if it sounds interesting, I go after it and, and I don't try to sound intelligent and I don't try to be in that because I'm not, I'm just like a regular person and I've been very fortunate in the industry. Well, you're great at what you do and that's the important thing. So thank for you sure. for that. Um, so I'm going to ask you, Ron. I, as everyone knows, I've talked about this before, I have my, um, it's ca called Be Kind Each Day calendar. And I pulled something from this each day. I ordered it, it arrived, and I was a week into it until I realized the days were not corresponding with the days, the dates. And then I realized that they had sent me a calendar from 2021. So, uh, but I love the calendar because I still, unkind. I know how unkind. So I still pull from the calendar each day and I pulled one for, and I'm going to ask you, Ron, it says, write down a short story of a favorite memory from your childhood. So I want you to share with us a favorite memory from your childhood that has to do with your creativity. Oh my gosh. Wow, One of the question. first school plays I was ever in, I think I must have been in the second grade or the third grade, and I had to play uh, an, an old coach, uh, not unlike the coach in uh, Damn Yankees, uh, although it wasn't Damn Yankees. Uh, and being a kid, not being, uh, not having been a professional, knowing nothing about the business, I didn't know how to put gray in my hair. So <laughs> I looked through my parents' um, cupboard and I found this big bottle of baby powder. <laughs> and I put baby powder all over my hair and it looked great. Uh, it was gray. It looked great under the lights. I thought, oh, fantastic. So I went out on stage and we're doing the play. And there was a moment in the play where I'm supposed to smack my forehead like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and there was like, uh, pig, pig pen from the Peanuts cartoon. I was surrounded by this cloud of white and I got this enormous laugh from the audience which I proceeded to milk like crazy. Of course. Not even knowing that I was milking it. And I was told after that my mother had turned to my father and had whispered at that moment uh oh He's an actor. <laughs> what a great story. 
That's, oh, that's, that's wonderful. <laughs> so, Dion, I, I pulled another page from the calendar, and this is, uh, but I think it's important. Uh, it says identify a special needs employer in your area and become a customer. I want to ask you to tell us about a special needs person who has made a difference in your life. Uh, well, uh, my mother was deaf, you know, very deaf. And uh, as a child, uh, people uh, would make fun of me. Like I joined the brownies and they all made fun of my mother, wanted to be one of the brownie helpers, etc. And so it, it was hard and I had to scream to talk to her. But through that, I learned, I learned how to deal with people. And like I belonged to this uh, golf club, and one of my best friends lost her hearing at age 80. And I can get along with her more than other people because I know how to do it. So that's one of the things that I've learned with the special needs. Thank you for sharing that. That's wonderful. Um, Jim, how do you most enjoy helping other people in this business? Um, just by being supportive and uh, talking them up. It's sort of funny. I'm really good at advocating for other people, uh, you know, professionally. Mm -hmm. I'm not so great at doing it for myself because um, I guess I don't want to come across like I've got this giant ego or something. But I can, I can really go all out, you know, saying to people that might be helpful, you need to, you need to check whoever it is out. Um, and when I get the opportunity to talk somebody up, I do. Good for you. That's wonderful. Well, I can't believe that we have reached the end of this show, uh, but it doesn't stop here. Everybody, please check these artists out. All the information is going to be on my YouTube channel. So really take a moment to get to know them beyond everything that you've learned about them today. Um, each day, uh, you know, I have a great journal that I keep and it's called the Core Values Journal. I write in it every morning. And when I get up, I pull a word for the day. And the word that I pulled for today is security. And I think about this word as I go throughout the day. And it's amazing when you think of a word, how many times, it's like I mentioned earlier, doing these walks where you look at certain colors or shapes. If you focus on a certain word, you will hear how many times it just pops up throughout the day. And I was thinking about security. And I'm sure I can speak for Darren and Aaron and Ron and Dion and Jim. And they're all gonna shake their, uh, nod their heads and say, <laughs> we are all in a profession where it's not, there's not always security there. This is the one profession that we, I do believe that has chosen us because I don't think anybody would choose to go through what all of us go through on a daily basis. And a lot of people don't realize uh, that you can study. Uh, Aaron has made a career out of helping others and God bless you Aaron for this. But you, you keep having, you put yourself out there because there is no security in this business. Shows close, shows get canceled, movies get pulled out of uh, theaters because it's all based on numbers nowadays. Um, I, I talked about this 
yesterday on my show, and I'm going to mention it again because I think it's worth repeating. Uh, Rosa Puzo is here. God bless you, Rose. Uh, Rose, Aaron, Tess, they're part of my team. Uh, and they are more than just uh, working to move me along. I truly consider them family. I bounce ideas off of them. Uh, some things go in our way. Sometimes they don't. Rose reached out to someone earlier this week, well-known person in the business. The assistant said, based on the numbers that I get for this show, she didn't think the platform was big enough for her, this, this particular person. And I responded to this by saying, my goal, my mission is to celebrate artists and their body of worth. There's room for everybody at my table. If someone chooses not to sit at my table, that's a choice they make, and I'm perfectly fine with that. We all just need to show up, do the best jobs that we can possibly do, and support each other. That's the real security of the business. And I also end every show by telling everyone uh, to go out and do something nice for somebody else without expecting anything in return. I have to, I'm going to do a plug if I may. On Monday afternoon on the 6th, I am going to have himself, the marble fawn of Grey Gardens is going to be on the show. If any of you have ever seen the documentary on Grey Gardens, Jerry and Ron, you know the song, Jerry Likes the Way I Make My Corn. Uh, <laughs> I have to ask, Danny hates that song. Uh, every time it plays, he goes, turn it off. I, I'm going to ask Jerry what he thinks of that song. But... He, the book opens with him picking up a woman. Uh, he was a cab driver and she was carrying a camera and he struck up a conversation with her. And uh, he said uh, that he had been in this film and she said, you won't believe this, but I work for the Maisel brothers. And he said, mm -hmm. oh my God, how are they both doing? One of them had passed away a few years prior. He had lost contact with them, but he got in touch uh, and uh, with uh, Albert Maisel. And he said he wished that he had taken the time after the film had opened and to great critical acclaim to reach out and stay in touch with them. But he didn't. Life got in the way. Things came up. He just didn't take the time to reach out. And it reminds me of the message that I give at the end of our shows, uh, my shows, our shows, is to reach out to someone that you have not spoken to in a while. Yeah. Reach out with a phone call, not an email message, not a text message, not a private inbox message, but a phone call. And let that person know how they matter in your life. Go a step further and let them know about the impact they've made in your life. I think it's yeah. important that we do that with each other. And as a dear friend of mine says, we're all in this form together but we're in different size boats. Some are in canoes, some are in rafts, some are on yachts, some are pushing tugboats upstream. I don't care what size boat you're on, make sure that when you do so, you have a skipper by your side. And with that, I'm gonna leave the screen. I'm gonna turn it over to you, Deborah. You've got the final word and then you'll pick the next person and the next person. And the last person standing, when you say goodbye, the final credits will roll. You don't have to do anything. I will take care of everything. 
Uh, this could be about anything that we've spoken about today that you want to build upon, anything that we didn't talk about that you wish we had, or just any final message you want to give to everyone who's watching right now. I thank you all for being here. And Deborah, go out and create magic. It's all yours. Thank all right. Well, I had a blast. I think that's basically what I really want to say. I enjoyed every one of our guests, and I look forward to keeping in touch with many of them. Um, I think we were all on the same page as far as how you need to perceive yourself moving forward as a performer, as a creative. Um, and also, I believe we're at certain times of our lives, perhaps, where we are with our years, and I'm not saying you all are old, I'm just saying, you know, we've been around the block a few times. Um, it's, you learn more and God willing, you learn how to put yourself out there and be confident and just be sure of yourself. So I just had a lot of fun. I laughed, I cried, I had, you know, it's all the good things in a good movie. So yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna Great say, people. yeah, I'm gonna say goodbye and thank you, Richard, but I'm gonna Great. bring Aaron Marcus. Hey, thank you. This has really been um, really special. It's been a lot of fun. Love learning more about you all. Um, I guess the only thing I'm going to say at the end is for, for anybody out there who is thinking about getting into the industry, um, even if you're getting a lot of pushback from people saying you're crazy, you're wasting your time, you know, you live in a small market. You're never going to do anything. Don't don't listen. You know, trust your heart. And and I'm not saying you're going to quit your daytime job. You know, as as an attorney at some law firm and become a full time actor. But if this is something that's of interest to you, give it a shot and try it and see what it feels like, and you know, see how it goes. Because for me. I knew that I could live uh, without having any success in the industry. Uh, just like when I first started, because uh, I don't live in New York, but I uh, start working in New York uh, in the early, actually late 80s. And um, I, I could live if I couldn't get representation there, couldn't get any work there. What I couldn't live with was not trying it and, and you know checking it out because I knew that it would haunt me. So if this is of interest to you, please get the information, do everything you can uh, to see if this is right for you. But, you know, don't, don't start having those nightmares of always wondering what if. So that's what I just wanted to say. Ron, I guess you're up. Okay. Thank you, Aaron. Uh, boy, um, so great being here with all of you. Uh, I think we all are of like minds, and uh, and uh, as was said earlier, we're all on the same page and in the same boat. Uh, and I want to wish uh, Deborah best, best, best wishes for her upcoming performances. I know she's going to be terrific. And I want to really say a very special thank you to Richard himself. He is definitely the host with the most. Uh, mm. I, I salute him. Uh, here's my, my Richard Skipper mug, which I keep proudly on my desk. And uh, just the positivity that comes out of you, Richard, and just permeates all of these shows is so infectious in, in the best possible way. 
uh, I just want to thank you for that. And thank you for lifting all our spirits up. We, I know that we need it so badly at this point in time and, and you do bring it to us. So here's to you, Richard, and thank you. And on to you, Ms. Forrest. Oh, hi. <laughs> yes, thank you. Thank you, Richard, for inviting me. And uh, it was so wonderful being on it because it's like all of you were right up my alley and we all were, we all were thinking the same kind of things. And uh, it, just, it just shows there are wonderful people in the business and you can always keep meeting them. So thanks a lot, everybody. Thank you. You, Jim. Mm -hmm. Okay, first off, I don't remember what he said to do when I'm done since I'm here all alone now. <laughs> so uh, we'll see what happens. Um, a lot of really good stuff has been said. And I think maybe the most important thing is to not have preconceived goal ideas but just we love what we're doing or we wouldn't be doing it because it's insane to do it because it's a good way to make a living because usually it isn't but it's what we do it's what we love and um the important thing is to just keep plugging along and doing it and then things sort of can happen uh usually when you least expect them i mean good things Sometimes bad things can happen when you least expect them as well, but uh, it, it's the good ones we're shooting for. Mm -hmm. And um, anyway, I enjoyed listening to everybody. Uh, my big dream now is seeing um, the colonoscopy Guinness Book of World Records, <laughs> thing, which you can hang on your wall. I mean, this, this would be a real conversation starter at parties. Um, anyway. Richard, thank you very much for having all of us and for having me. Uh, and then that's it. So good night. <laughs> <laughs>